You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Apostle Paul. He was too gripped by what the Lord had called him to accomplish. He was too gripped by his devotion and his commitment to the Lord Jesus. I love that about Apostle Paul. We talked about his commitment. We talked about our commitment to ministry and would that it would be like Paul's, where we'd be so committed to the ministry that we would think of nothing else but serving our Lord by serving others. This is Apostle Paul. I love this about him. He never looked for the easy way out. Are you completely committed to serving God? Are you gripped and obsessed with what God has called you to do for Him? In his message, Pastor Dave will look at the example of Apostle Paul, who was determined to share the gospel with as many people as possible. Throw your heart, mind, and strength into serving God. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 20 as he begins his message, Paul's Farewell. Acts 20, verses 22 through 28 is what we're looking at. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which, you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This morning, we're going to take a look at part two of our three-part series that is entitled Paul's Address to the Ephesian Elders. This is part two. Last week, we likened this speech that Paul's making to the Ephesian elders to a general saying goodbye to the men that he served with during a war. Men who serve together in a war develop a bond, and it's a bond that can never be broken because of what they've been through together. It's it's a lasting bond and a friendship based on mutual trust. In fact, they say that the only person that you can trust during a war is the person that you're sharing a foxhole with. That seems to be their mindset. Paul had been at Ephesus now for three years. While he was there, he made tents. And he preached and taught the word of God. As he proclaimed his, this message that God gave him, this message of the gospel of grace of God, a beachhead, if you will, for Christ had been firmly entrenched and a strong fellowship of believers happened in the city of Ephesus and throughout the entire area of Asia. Because we studied in Acts 19, verse 10, 
It says, and this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greek. So the gospel message now is moving from the center of Ephesus out into Asia, out, and it's spreading rapidly to all who might hear it. As was his custom because of this, Paul raised up in the church men, elders, if you will, who would serve with him in the ministry. And over the years... These elders of the churches, now the word elders is the same as the word overseers, and they're kind of interchangeable. So these were probably pastors. These men, Paul had grown very, very close to over three years. And they served together in ministry, and they formed a bond. They were co-laborers in Christ. He considered them co-laborers. He didn't consider himself higher than they were. He considered themselves equal in the battle against evil, in the battle for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were co-laborers. He also knew that he probably wasn't going to see them again. This was on his heart. Why wasn't he going to see them again? Because Paul had his sights set on Jerusalem. He had his sights set on Rome. And like a flint, he kept his face towards those. The model being Jesus Christ, like a flint, came and kept his eyes on the cross. This is Paul's resolve. This was what Paul was thinking about. So as we studied last week, we looked at Paul's approach to ministry. We looked at Paul's approach to ministry, and he reviewed to them the past times he spent in Ephesus. We looked at Paul's approach to ministry as he reviewed the past, and he spoke of these things. He spoke of his mindset which was a commitment to Christ and a devotion to Jesus Christ. He spoke of his manner, which was humility. We spoke of his, 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 his motive, which was nothing but serving the Lord. And we spoke of his message, which was the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was leading to repentance towards God and faith towards anyone who believed in the Lord Jesus. But today, Paul gets personal. Today, Paul now stands before these guys, and he opens up his heart. He opens up his personal feelings. Paul gets real. Paul gets real with the men he's been serving with now all this time. That's, I love this about Paul. I love this. He tells them just how he feels. He tells them now how he views himself. And in this passage that we're going to study today, Paul uses nouns and adjectives to graphically give us pictures of his ministry and who he is and the various feelings that he's now feeling or experiencing. Paul wants to impart on these elders some kind of wisdom. He wants to impart encouragement because he's going to leave them there all by themselves to face pretty nasty things, and that's what we're going to study next week when we look at the future of the church of Ephesus. And remember, this is the three-part series where Paul talks about the present, or excuse me, the past, the present, and the future. Today we're in the present for Paul. We'll look at the future next week. These are frontline workers. They're in ministry, and Paul's going to tell them some pretty harrowing things that they need to be aware of next week. But in this section, Paul is going to be Paul, and he's not going to hold anything back from these guys. He's going to let them know what's going on because he is honest, he is forthright, and he shows these men his true feelings. Men aren't supposed to have feelings. We're not supposed to show our true feelings. We're supposed to hold them in, hold them close to our vest, and we're not going to show those things. Well, obviously, the Apostle Paul thinks that's bunk because he's going to show them his feelings. He's going to show them his true heart. He's going to open up his heart and allow them to look into them. He's not hiding his feelings from them. He's not hiding the fact that he's going somewhere and he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. 
He has no idea what's about to transpire, or though maybe he does. You know, Paul never sugarcoated things. You read his letters, there's no sugarcoating when it comes to Paul. Paul likes to tell it like it is. Paul tells us the straight skinny. I love that about him. So as we begin in verse 22 and 23, let's read it. Paul says, and see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that change and tribulations await me. The phrase now, excuse me, the phrase, and see, now I go, shifts everything from the past now to the present. Now I go. Let's talk about the present. Paul reminded the elders that he was leaving them for a reason, and the reason was he was bound to go to Jerusalem. He was bound in the Spirit. You remember when we studied in Acts 19.21, where Paul says, or excuse me, when Luke says, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I've seen there, I must go to Rome. I must see Rome. He didn't hide this fact. He didn't hide his fact that he was going. He didn't hide the fact that every place he went, the Holy Spirit said, uh, Paul, you're going to have some problems here. In fact, you're going to have chains. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have all sorts of problems. Now, I don't know about you. I can only speak for me. But if the Holy Spirit told me those things, I'd be looking for a slow boat to China. I'd be looking for a slow boat to China to go as far away from Jerusalem as I could possibly go. If the Holy Spirit told me of these things that I was going to have to suffer for, but not the Apostle Paul, not our Apostle Paul. He was too gripped by what the Lord had called him to accomplish. He was too gripped by his devotion and his commitment to the Lord Jesus. I love that about Apostle Paul. We talked about his commitment. We talked about our commitment to ministry and would that it would be like Paul's, where we'd be so committed to the ministry that we would think of nothing else but serving our Lord by serving others. And this is Apostle Paul. I love this about him. He never looked for the easy way out. I like this too. He never looked for the road less traveled. Paul never looked for the easy way out. What a great example is to us. How many of us and how many times do we look for the easy way out? I'm in the midst of a trial. What's the quickest way out of this? I mean, we always look for the easy way out. Either we don't want to do it, or perhaps we want someone else to do it, and we look for shortcuts. How many times do we pass up opportunities to share the gospel message with someone because of our fears? We look for the easy way out. Oh, they won't listen. Oh, they've probably heard it before. Why should I tell them? We look for the easy way out. Paul never looked for the easy way out. Knowing what awaited him in Jerusalem, whether it be change or tribulations, this didn't deter Paul. Nothing deterred him from keeping that which the Lord had committed to him. Remember we, la- we mentioned last week, and I just said, about Paul's commitment to Christ. It superseded any self-interest he may have. Paul's commitment to Christ superseded any self-concern that he might have. See, it was never about Paul. It was never self when it came to Paul. It was always Christ. It's been this way since the Damascus Road. It's been this way since his conversion. This same commitment was evident in the life of James Calvert. Anybody know where James Calvert was? Probably not. He was a young pioneer missionary who was going to share the gospel in Fiji. There's a problem in Fiji, though. There were people there who ate other people. There were cannibals there. 
but he felt drawn by the Lord to go share the gospel with these cannibals on the Fiji Islands. And as he was going there, the ship's captain, who was a really humane guy, got real upset and real, real nervous, and he tried to dissuade him. And he finally cried out in desperation, you'll lose your life and the lives of those who go with you if you go among such savages. Calvert simply looked at him and said, we died before we came. Think about it. We died before we came. You know, it's been said that if a man or a woman never does anything except that which will be done, done easily, it's never really worth doing, and they won't do anything at all. We died before we came. Paul was determined regardless of the cost. True disciples count the cost. Jesus told the disciples they had to count the cost in Luke 14. He told them they had to count the cost of what being his disciples would be. And he ends this saying in Luke 14, 27, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. You know, the one carrying the cross is essentially walking to death. If a person is walking to death and it's a place of execution, the cross, there's no turning back. When you're carrying your cross, you're going to die. You have a complete commitment because you're going to die. Your life was completely yielded. You knew your life was no longer yours. You were giving up your life because you were going to die on a cross. That's what total commitment is. Jesus gave himself totally to us. Totally to us. He held nothing back. Why then do we? Why do we hold back? Christ gave everything he had to us, but yet we hold back. We don't give everything back to him. You know, we can understate the demands of Jesus when, he, when we preach the gospel to others, and we can give them the impression that coming to Jesus is only believing some facts instead of a yielded life. But true Christianity, true discipleship is a yielded life. It's a life yielded totally to Jesus Christ. It's a life that no longer belongs to you, but belongs to your master, Jesus Christ, where you give up all your rights. This is why Paul called himself a bondservant. He served Jesus Christ. He gave up his rights to his life when he served his master, Jesus Christ. You know, one commentator I read said this, quote, the general idea that these words of Jesus about bearing the cross refer to passive submission to all kinds of afflictions like disappointments, pain, sickness, and grief that come upon a man in life is totally wrong. Only a person who, for the sake of his service, surrenders all self-seeking and abandons all striving after his own interests, even his own life, can be his disciple. Unquote. Pretty heavy when you think about it. But that's our Apostle Paul. He was totally committed to Jesus Christ. And this was the priority of his life, to be totally committed. So as we get now into this passages, the next several verses... Now Paul's going to graphically describe himself to the elders, and he's going to explain why he won't quit, but why he will go to Jerusalem and die for Christ if necessary. We see the first one in the opening of verse 24. But none of these things move me. None of these things move me, Paul says. Here we see Paul describing himself as immovable, unchangeable, unwavering in his resolve. In fact, the Greek wordage here is described a well-thought-out process of reasoning and resolute decision. This wasn't a haphazard, quick decision on Paul's part. He knew what he was getting into. He knew what was happening. These things don't move me. I'm not the least bit deterred by what await me, Paul says. How could Paul say this? 
How could Paul say this? I'll tell you how. Because he was completely secure in who he was in Jesus Christ. Are you secure in who you are in Christ? Are you secure in who Christ has called you to be? How secure was Paul in Christ? Simple. He told the Philippians in 121, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's how secure he was in Christ. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Wiersbe said, the thing that excites us and motivates us is the thing that really is life to us. In Paul's case, Christ was his life. It was Christ who excited him and made his life worth living. Does Christ make your life worth living? Can you see a difference in your old life and your new life in Christ? Is your new life better than your old life without Christ? Does Christ make your life worth living? Let's play a game. Fill in the blank. For me to live is blank. To die is blank. Fill in the blanks. For me to live is, for me to die is, you can say that. Maybe for some people it's money. For me to live is money. To die is to give it all my kids. Maybe yours is power. For me to live is power. To die is to lose it all. Fame. For me to live is fame. To die is to be forgotten. No, Paul said for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can dying be gain? How can dying be gain? Well, to Paul, it was a win-win situation. Paul lived in a win-win world. Paul lived in a win-win world. To me to live is Christ. If I'm living, Christ is in me, and I'm preaching the gospel, and I'm sharing the love of Christ everywhere I go, and it's a wonderful time, whether I'm in jail, hanging around, singing, an earthquake comes, or whether I'm being beaten, whatever's happening. Well, what if you die? If I die, I'm going to be with Christ. I'm going to be face-to-face with my creator, with the love of my life. I'm going to be face-to-face. Gain. Wow. Wow. Try that on for size. That's incredible. It was win-win. For me to live as Christ is such joy in the midst of circumstances. There's security in spite of the world's problems. There's comfort in time of pain. There's life in time of death. For me to live as Christ, let that be your battle cry. Let that be your mantra that you speak out. For me to live as Christ. Wow. Paul was unmovable in this. None of these things move me. Paul was unmovable. But you know, Paul also saw himself as an accountant. The Apostle Paul, I can't see the Apostle Paul with little glasses on and a pencil behind his ear. But he saw himself as an accountant. Look at the next part. I do not count my life dear to myself. The idea here is one who takes stock. One who takes stock. See, Paul looked at his assets. He looked at his liabilities and decided to place Christ above everything. Christ first. This was Paul's, what he did. And as he said, as we said earlier, Christ was the priority of life, so Paul counted the cost. He faced this head on in his early ministries and came to the conclusion that everything else he had was refuse. Everything else, he called it dung. That's what he called it. Go back to Philippians 3 in verses 8 through 11. You know the verse well. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This was Paul's mindset. This is how Paul views himself. He doesn't, he counted all his rubbish. He had just got finished telling the Philippians in the first part of chapter three, his pedigree, his resume. The apostle Paul, Hebrew, circumcised the eighth day, Concerning the Pharisee, blameless. Concerning the law, righteous. He went on and on and on and on. He says, guess what? I count all these things rubbish compared to the knowledge of Christ. Wow. That was pretty good. The only thing that mattered to Paul was his knowledge of Christ and Christ's righteousness. Paul wanted that righteousness. Paul knew what it was like to have his own righteousness that came from the law. He just said, according to the law, he was blameless. He knew what it was like, and it didn't compare with the excellency of knowing Christ. It didn't compare to the excellency of Christ as Lord. It didn't matter. He was telling the Philippians, he says, and he's telling us today, we need to listen to this. He's telling us today. We must make the spiritual the priority of our lives. It doesn't come from obeying a law or any law. It doesn't come from our works. It doesn't come from anything else, whether it be your schooling, whether it be your birthplace, your birthright, your race, your creed, your color, or your religion. That's not what it comes from. It only comes from the righteousness that comes from God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul wanted. And that should be our strive, too. Everything else should just fall short. Everything else is rubbish. Actually, the words here really translate into the word dung. That's what Paul's saying. Paul took count of his life. And he looked at his life. And nothing compares with Christ. Nothing. But Paul also said he was a runner. <laughs> Paul loved to use these these. Uh, athlete analogy. He said he was a runner. Look at the next part. So that I may finish my race with joy. You know, we know from other scripture that Paul spoke about being in a race and finishing well and running as to win. So Paul was looking to finish this course with victory and joy. Paul realized that God had given him great gifts, great gifts, not only his life, but his ministry as well. Paul knew that the Lord had a special plan for him, and he was going to fulfill what the Lord had asked him to do. And he also knew that the Lord would accomplish in him what the Lord's purpose would be. He also wrote that to the Philippians in verses 1, verse 6. He who began a work in you would be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul knew that, and he was resolved in that. Remember what Paul's motivation was. We talked about it last week. Solely serving. Paul was completely devoted and committed to accomplishing this purpose. We must be faithful to do that which the Lord has called us to do. We must be devoted and committed to him first, and then ministry second, whatever it is. Because everyone is in ministry. Yeah, we're all in ministry. We are all in ministry wherever we are. It's what we do now that we are believers in Jesus Christ. We must finish strong. And when we finish strong, our hearts are ablaze, and we run across that finish line. Guess who's waiting for us? Exactly. Jesus Christ, right there. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. 
In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen, Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609-884-5821. That phone number once more is 609-884-5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope. Thank you.